Don't lose heart because what's happening on the outside. Don't let what's happening on the outside get you so all caught up you forget what God is doing on the inside. He's doing a work in you. And you have to understand, church, that sometimes we blame God. We say, God, why am I doing these? I got to break you to get out of you what I placed inside you. It's now time for me to reap my harvest from the deposit I made in your life. And in order to do that, sometimes there has to be a breaking. See, Paul understood this. Paul said, you know what? I'm not worried about what's happening on the outside because I know there's a work happening on the inside. God is doing something in me. And here, you know, in church, we love to quote scripture. We like to quote this one. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Well, guess what? How is he that's in you going to get out of you? Manifested Glory Worship Center. Kingdom focused, kingdom minded, kingdom living. This is the Rhema Talk podcast, and you're listening to Pastor Damon C. Johnson, founder and senior pastor of Manifested Glory Worship Center. Well, let me just say this, that I wasn't intending on, I, I didn't have any intention on preaching from this text, but this text was inspired by two people, well, two situations. Uh, one is Joe. So Joe came down last week for prayer. The last week, two weeks ago. Was it last week? Last week. And the Holy Spirit dropped in my spirit to tell him about David and Goliath. And so because that dropped in my spirit about Joe, I, I prayed for Joe, and then I got a call from Joe this week sharing with me what God has done for him this week. Open up doors that's been, that we've been trying to get open for a while. But when they open, they all open all at the same time. And so even though Joe seemed like he had a giant, his giant came down. The other thing that inspired this message for me was my own situation. My father's very sick. And this wasn't a good week for me in helping deal with my dad. And I had to shake myself and square my shoulders and say, this thing going to come down. See, I, I understand who God is, and I understand how God operates. And so it, it drove me to this text. And so I want you to, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to, to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're going to read verses 45 to 51. 1 Samuel 17, verses 45 to 51. When you get it, please say, I got it. If you're still turning, say, hold up. No problem. Let's get there together. 1 Samuel is in our Bible. Amen. If, if, if you get to Ruth, you're real close. If you get to 2 Samuel, you've gone too far. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 45 through 51. If you do not have your Bible, we'll have it on the monitors for you. I'm going to read this portion of the text from the NIV. And it reads this way. It says, David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. 
this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and to the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those who gather here will know that it's not by the sword or by the spear, but the Lord saves. The battle is the Lord's. I, I could stop right there. And, and then he said that he will give all of you into my hands. And as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David quickly ran towards the battle line to meet him, reaching into his bag and taking out a stone. And he slung it and struck the Philistine in the forehead, and the stone sunk into his forehead, and the Philistine fell face down on the ground. Oh, gosh. Can, can, I'm not even finished reading the text. Can I just give you something real quick right there? Because I'm not going to preach about it, but I give it to you because it's, it's jumping off the page to me. Get the picture. David takes a stone out of his bag. He slings it, hit the Philistine in the forehead like a projectile, like a bullet. But he falls face down. You missed it. If I shoot you, most people will fall. See, you understand what he did all before this. The whole time he's trying to defy God and say, God ain't nothing. You and your God ain't nothing. And then God killed him and made him lay prostrate before him. Oh, who, who gonna have the last word? See, the Bible says that at, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Even the Philistine had to lay prostrate before him. Had to give you that real quick because it just jumped off the, off the page. I mean, let me finish reading what I got to read. Y'all better come get me. I'm ready, to, I'm ready to run around this place. Come on. So listen to what it says. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down a Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took a hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from his sheath, and he killed him and cut off his head. And when the Philistines saw this, they ran because their hero was dead. And they turned and they ran. Uh, my sermon title is simple. It's coming down. It's coming down. I pray, church, that the the familiarity of this text don't rob you of the revelation. See, I've preached from this text before. I know you've heard sermons about David, but I pray that you receive the revelation. Don't let the familiarity of the text rob you of the revelation. I, I want you to, I want to invite you, church, to think with me for a moment and, and to ponder this with me for a second. I believe that we owe God an apology. I believe we owe God an apology because we have misunderstood and misjudged the purpose of some of the things he has allowed to take place in our lives. I say this because we often have the propensity and the, and the, the proclivity to have an attitude and hold a grudge against God because of the things that's happening in our lives right now. Let's be honest with ourselves. We ask God, God, why am I going through this? I don't see her going through that. I don't see him dealing with that. Why me? And so we begin to blame God and misunderstand the purpose of some of the things that he has brought in our lives. We have to understand something, church. 
that God has made a significant and substantial deposit in your life. He's made a deposit. Listen, you wouldn't be here if you didn't have purpose. You would still be here if you, if you still had, if you hadn't purpose to fulfill. And so he's made this deposit. He's made it over the years. He's been making deposit in you. And here is the problem. The only way to get out of you what he placed in you You have to be broken. But on the inside, I like what the scripture said. He says, I've placed a treasure in these earthen vessels. You are the earthen vessels inside of you. He's placed treasure. And the only way to get the treasure out of you is sometimes you have to be We don't like to be broken. But understand that a broken is not to destroy you or to kill you. Understand, see what happens. This is, this is what happens. Life sometimes is hard and cold. And what happens is as you keep experiencing life, you look just like life. Hard and cold. And that's not how God created you. That's not, he, how, that's not how he designed you to live. And so, so what he has to do, he has to break that out of shell to get to the, the, the part that he has inside of you. And he has to get to that part because that's the part that the world needs. And that's what he placed inside of you. I know y'all look at me like I'm crazy. Can y'all help me out a little bit here? Deacons and elders. I don't want nobody to get cut and blame me. I want to take you to a place in Scripture. I want to show you something. Put on the screens for me, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 through 11. Look what it says here. It says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the, excellent, the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Listen to what it says. We're hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed. But not, uh-huh, persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down. I love it. Always caring about in the body the dying of our Lord Jesus, that the life of Christ also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are delivered to death for Christ's sake that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. Jump down to verse 16. This is the part I want you to understand. This is the part I need you to give hold of. Let me start up what he says. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inner man is being renewed. Don't lose heart. Because what's happening on the outside? Don't let what's happening on the outside get you so all caught up. You forget what God is doing on the inside. He's doing a work in you. And you have to understand, church, that sometimes we blame God. We say, God, why am I doing this? I got to break you to get out of you what I placed inside you. It's now time for me to reap my harvest from the deposit I made in your life. And in order to do that, sometimes 
there has to be a breaking. See, Paul understood this. Paul said, you know what? I'm not worried about what's happening on the outside because I know there's a work happening on the inside. God is doing something in me. And here, you know, in church, we love to quote Scripture. We like to quote this one. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Well, guess what? How is he that's in you going to get out of you? The breaking. The breaking. And so I need us to, to see something. See, with David, there was something on and in David that the world had no clue that he had until his encounter with Goliath. They didn't know the anointing on David's life until he had to face Goliath. Now, I, I want to show you something that's important because I need you to hear this. Goliath was assigned to David to get out of David what God placed in David. I'm going to say it one more time. Goliath was assigned to David to get out of him what God placed on him. See, there's giants in your life that's been assigned to you. And you think the giant is there to kill you and to destroy you, but the purpose of the giant is to get out of you what God placed on the inside of you. I want to show you something here. Help me out here, Minister Brian, please. You thinking to stand up? No, it won't stand up. Do me a favor, Deke. How tall are you, Deke? Lay, 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 lay at the top of there. <laughs> so, Goliath was like two double deep, like two deacon blues. <laughs> now, I was ready to say that, but I said, let me keep, let me keep this thing real. If, now I'm not going to do this, Deke, but if I stood on top of Deke and Luke's shoulders, that was the size of Goliath. Yeah, I don't want to leave you down there, bro. <laughs> Appreciate that. Yeah. And here's our problem. We look at the size of our giant, and you look at who you are. So I can't beat that. I can't overcome that. You see how big that is? How in the world am I going to overcome this? And, and God says, I'm using that thing to bring out of you what I place inside of you. See, David wasn't looking at the size of Goliath, but he was looking at the promise of God. Let me, let me, let me show you this. Look at, look at verse 26 of 1 Samuel 17. They're going to put it on the screens for you. Let me, first of all, let me do this. I'm going to give you some things. I'm going to give you a list of things that you're going to need in order to take down your giant, okay? In order for your giant to fall, somebody say number one. Number one, one, you have to see the promise and not the problem. You have to see the promise and not the problem. When David arrived at the battlefield, uh, the army of, of Israel was afraid because they saw the problem. David saw God, and through God, he saw the promise. See, you have to understand something. 39 days they've been out there. Goliath, now, let's understand that Goliath, they called him champion, but he never had to fight. 
They called him a champion because he never had to fight because he was always, always able to intimidate people by his size. Just like the devil do with you. He never has to fight because you're always scared of him. He just got to stand there and start yelling at you. You ain't going to make it. You ain't going to get through this. I ain't going to make it. I ain't going to get through it. 39 days, Saul and his entire army, they on the sideline. Uh, Goliath spewing all types of lies and talking about them and their God. And they too big of a chumps to say anything because all they saw was the problem. David wasn't even there to fight. David was there to check on his brothers and bring them some lunch. He showed up and said, what's, what's, what's going on here? Who, who's that? Oh, that's the good. He said, oh, really? Y'all scared of him? See, he realized the promise. Let's look at what it says here in verse 26 of our text. Look what it says here. It says, then David spoke to the men who stood about him saying, what shall be done with the man who kills this Philistine and take away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he shall defy the armies of the, li of the, li of the living God? Understand, he called them an uncircumcised Philistine. Understand that circumcision was a, a, a sign of covenant. And it was a sign of covenant. If you were circumcised, I mean, you were part of God's family. And so David realized that this man that's talking trash about us is not a part of our family. So guess what? He has no authority over us, and I'm going to look at my God because I know the promises of God. And so because of that, I'm going to focus on that and not the problem. See, our problem is we only want to look at the, the problem and not the size of our God. David realized that God was on his side. He said, I don't care how big he is. He ain't bigger than my God. You can look at your bills and say, I know you big, Bill, but you ain't bigger than my God. You can look at the doctor's report. I know you're saying this doctor's report, but you ain't bigger than my God. See, we got to look at the promise and not the problem. Now, I want to show you something here because Paul declared a lot that I love that Paul said. Paul said, if God be for us, then who could be against us? You understand? So if God is on your side, who, who, who can stand against you? I want to show you something, though, church, because this is where we mess up. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Ephesians 2, verse 1 and 2. Look what it says here. And you he made alive, who were dead in transgression and sin, in which you were which you walked according to the, 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 the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the son of disobedience. Let me, let me, give me a minute to exegete this for a moment. The prince of the power of the air, we know that's Satan, right? Satan is the spirit that works in the sons of disobedience, according to our text. Now, this word disobedience is translated in the, in the Greek as unbelief. So anybody who is a person that don't believe, you have now set up shop for Satan to move in that area. Wow. The areas you like where you don't believe God is the areas where Satan going to set up shop. Yeah. Let me give you this story. There's a story in Mark 9 about a man who had a son who was possessed by demons. And he made a profound statement to Jesus. He said, Jesus, I believe, but help me in my disbelief. He said, I believe. But help me with my disbelief. See, this man had enough belief to bring his son to Jesus, but he didn't have enough belief to think that God could do anything about it. Wow. Just like people today, you have enough belief in God to come to church. Right. 
but you don't have enough belief God that he can move in your situation. You have enough belief to receive salvation, but he can't do nothing with your finances. He can't do nothing with your health. He can't do nothing with your relationship. You have, he said, you believe, but you still have disbelief. And the areas, no matter what it is, it could be in your finances, it could be in your health, it could be in your relationship, wherever you disbelieve, that's where Satan sets up shop. And he wears you out in that area because you don't believe God in that area. And many are saying, oh, I believe God. Yeah, you believe in salvation, but you believe he can cover these things. He says, the, the, that's where he, the Spirit, let me say, the Spirit now works in the sons of disbelief. So he's he going he gonna to say, yeah, yeah, you got salvation, but how come he ain't help you with these bills? You went to the doctor, what did the doctor say? Yeah, that's right. Maybe God can't do it. Then he said, all right. <laughs> that's when he moves in. Him and his boys, they move right in and set up shop right in your heart. Right in that area. And you, and you wonder why I can't get deliverance. Understand, you've now opened the door. Remember what the Bible says. When one gets in, he holds a gate for seven stronger than himself to come in. And you wonder why. Why am I having all this? Why, why am I having all this anxiety? Why am I having all this stuff? Because there may be an area in your life where you said, God, I don't believe you can do nothing with this. And he's now set up shop in your heart. The way to get it out is start believing again. Start trusting God again. So, 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 so we have to make sure that we are, are now allowing this to take place in our life. See, David did not allow any disbelief to be in his heart. Saul and his whole army didn't believe that God could do anything. That's why they stood there. And let me show you what, what, what happens with Christians and what happened with the Israel army. They will go and gaze at the problem, gaze at Goliath, and glance at God. This is my problem. I, I got to look at it. God says, I'm over here. Yeah, I see you. David did the opposite. David said, I'm going to focus on God. That's what he did to his problem. Because I'm focusing on God. Because he is my source. And if I can focus on him, that ain't nothing, man. What, man? See, we get it twisted. Our eyes are focused on the wrong thing. When you only can look at your problem and you can't see God beyond it, then you're in trouble. You got to be able to look at God. Understand that God is saying, I got you. Now, what was on David's life? What was the promise that David could hold on to? You have to understand when you read chapter 16, David was anointed to be the king even though he wasn't king yet. He was going to be king and Goliath was standing in the way of his promise. And so he was willing to go through the giant to get into his promise. See, many times on the other side of your giant is your breakthrough. But are you willing to go through it to get what you got to get? How bad you want it? See, we don't want it bad enough. We, some people like standing in the pity party. Woe is me, nobody knows the troubles I see. Instead of facing that thing and saying, you know what? My God is bigger than this thing. I am more than a conqueror. I am going to overcome this thing. We got to be able to make that declaration to say, oh God, I'm ready to go into my promise. Somebody say number two. You can't be discouraged by your critics. Oh, help us here, Holy Spirit. David was ready to face Goliath, and he had critics. Can I give you a sidebar? Most of the time, it's your family. Ooh, don't get quiet on me now. David's first critic was his brother. You don't believe me. Let's read it. Look at verse 28. 
We're still in 1 Samuel 17. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard what he spoke to the men. Eliab's anger was aroused against David, and he said, Why did you come here, down here? And from which whom have you left, listen to what he said, those few sheep in the wilderness? I, I, listen to what he said, I know your pride and your insolence of your heart, which means he, he had like this, this rudeness in his heart. He says, for you have come down to see the battle. So he tried to degrade him in front of everybody, his older brother. He said, what you doing down here? Don't you supposed to be out there tending a little bit of sheep daddy got you doing? You're you a shepherd, right? You, 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 you're not a warrior. Matter of fact, you, the, the job that she gave you, daddy gave you ain't even that important because you only got a little bit of sheep you tended to in the first place. Try to put his own brother on blast. Now, now here's the thing. I ain't see him pick up nothing to go try to fight Goliath. But you're going to criticize me because I'm bold enough in my God to step out and say, God, I believe you can do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. See, we see this through all the Bible uh, that, that, that people, a lot of times, people that are close to you sometimes will be the ones that try to tear you down. Look at Joseph. His own brothers threw him in the pit. His own brother sold him into slavery. Look at, look at Moses. Moses leaves. He comes back home with this dark-skinned African woman from Ethiopia named uh, Zipporah. She was dark-skinned, real dark-skinned. Miriam, his sister, saw that daughter. He believed he brought her home. He believed he brought home that African girl. God said, I got her number, gave her leprosy. You got to be wise. You got to be careful who you talk about. Bible says, touch not my anointed, do my prophets no harm. You better watch your tongue. You can beat up the wrong person and get struck down with something. Amen. Lights and walls. So David is ready to face his giant, and he's getting criticism and critics even in his own family. Then that wasn't enough. He got criticism from his brother, and then here comes Saul. Look at Saul. Look at verse 33. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go up against this Philistine to fight with him, for you're our youth. He says, and he is a man of war from his youth. In other words, David, you're a boy. This man been fighting since he was a boy. How can the world can you go up against him? So even, even the ones you look up to sometimes will hate on the anointing on your life. Even, someone, even sometimes the ones that's supposed to be encouraging you is the one telling you don't, you're not equipped for the battle. That's why I love the Bible. Says sometimes you got to encourage yourself. I don't care what they say. I know what God has for me, and I'm going to get it. I ain't going to let nobody stop me. He called him a boy. And, and here's the other thing. Then Saul said, he put on my armor. And I taught you this before. It didn't fit David. And understand that that armor represents something old. And so Saul's trying to put something old on David when God's trying to do something new in David. You got to be careful people always trying to put old stuff on you. Remember you used to do this, and remember you used to say this, and remember you used to go here? I don't wear that no more. That ain't me. It don't even fit me no more. 
Don't let nobody put nothing old on you. You are a new creature. Christ says, if, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. And the old things are passed away, and behold, all things are new. You got to embrace that thing. Don't let nobody put them old on you. The Bible also declares that you can't pour new wine. You can't do it because it's going to burst it. It can't hold it. It can't contain it. So you have to understand you can't let nobody do that. And here's the thing. Can I give you another sidebar? See, people who never killed the giant convince you that it's impossible. I, I, see, I, I, I'm a very visual learner. I can imagine Dave saying that. Wait a minute. Y'all been out here 39 days. Nobody's willing to face Goliath. Now you're telling me I can't do it? You are in the army. I'm not. I'm just a little shepherd's boy. So how is it that I'm willing to do it and y'all ain't? Because, again, y'all have focused on the wrong thing. See, here's the thing, church. Don't let nobody who's never done something try to tell you you can't do it. If you, if, listen, if you've never started a business, don't tell me I can't start mine. You try to give me advice in my business and yours ain't working. Marital advice. Listen, don't, don't take no advice from nobody. They merge all jacked up. Yo, this is what you need to do. You, this is what you need to say. Won't you start saying it? Won't you start doing it? Here's another one. This is how you need to raise them kids. I see your kids. How you gonna tell me how to raise mine and yours jacked up? If they ain't never done it, they don't have a right to say that you can't do it. What the song say? Sometimes you need to just cut them. You need to cut it. <laughs> cut it. Cut it. Cut it. That's my new. That's my new thing. I'm cutting everything. Everything that's unlike God, I'm cutting it. Cut it. Cut it. You gonna want to listen to God? You want to believe God? Cut it. I'm cutting. I'm cutting it all. Amen. Amen. I'm cutting it. Cutting it. That's right. Amen. Amen. Somebody say number three. number three. Number three is you have to build on past success and experience. Look at that text. Look at verse 34 through 37. Look what it says here. In verses 34 to 37, look what it says. It says, but David said to Saul, this is after Saul said you were a boy and you can't do it. Listen, listen, David had to break down his resume to him. Let him know that, son, you don't know who I am. Look what David said to Saul. He says, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or bear came to, to, and took one of the sheep out of the flock, he says, I went after them and struck it. And listen, he says, and, and, and I delivered the lamb out of his mouth. And when it rose again against me, I took it by his beard and struck it and killed it. He says, your servant, talking about himself, has killed both lions and bears. He says, this uncircumcised Philistine will be one of them. See, he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paws of the lion and from the paws of the bear will deliver me from the hands of the Philistines. And guess what Saul said? Go. And let the Lord be with you. See, sometimes you got to break them down. Like, man, you don't know who I am. You don't know what God has done for me. 
don't tell me my God can't do it. See, I, I love him because, because he, see, you know, some people, church, you got to give them your resume. See, some of them don't believe until you break it down and say, look, you don't understand. Three years ago, I was right here. <laughs> and God made a way. The next year, he made another, opened another door for me. And then this day, he did that for me. Don't tell me he can't do it again. That's why I said we owe God an apology. See, those, those situations, you had to fight those lions and bears, it was getting you ready for Goliath. See, if David never fought the lion and never overcame the lion and never fought the bear and overcame, then he would be, he maybe have a different situation. We looked at Goliath and said, but I had to go through all that. I had to go through those storms. I had to go through the brickiness of that in order to get what God has for me now. See, that's why we can't despise the trials we go through. They don't come to destroy, they come to make us strong. And so he had to go through all of that. He had to endure all of this to say, man, listen, this thing ain't nothing. Compared. I didn't grab lions by the, by the beard and killed them with my bare hands. This thing ain't nothing for me. And he uncircumcised. I got him. You have to understand, church, that there's a process before the promise. There's a process. Understand, Abraham had to go through a process before he got his promise. God gave him the promise when he was 75 years old. There was 25-year process time before he got the promise. Joseph had to go through the pit, slavery, and jail before he got his. There had to be a breaking. Moses had to go on the backside of a mountain. He had to go through things in order to get the promise. And see, we have to realize, church, that that's the way God wants it. He wants to give us, but about faith so we can be prepared to face our giant. Here's the, here's the thing about, anybody know anything about boxing? Here's the thing about boxing. You don't get to fight the heavyweight champion just off the street. You got to go through the ranks. You got to fight amateurs first. And as you beat the amateurs, you're getting your, your weight up. And you're getting your resume built up. So by the time it's time you fight the heavyweight champion, you say, I've been fought him, him, been through that, been through that. Now I'm ready for the big battle. Let's do it. And so, and, and, oh, can I give you a sidebar here? The worst thing God could do to promote you too quickly Mm, I know y'all ain't want to hear that. God will not put you in a place you ain't prepared for yet. Because guess what? You're not going to be able to give him glory out of that. And so he needs to prepare you before you get there. It's coming, but just got to wait your time. I tell you that all the time. Guess what? It's your time and season. We talk about it all the time. I told Joe this on the phone this week. The cafeteria bell rings. Everybody goes to the cafeteria. It's everybody's lunchtime, but everybody got to wait their turn. They're going to call out one table at a time. And so I can't get mad because you get called up first. It's your time. They're going to richly call my table. I got to wait my turn. And the problem is that we see somebody going up. Oh, it must be my turn. God says, I'm still prepping you. Sit down. Be quiet. I called his table first because he was ready. You got to get ready so I can call your table. Don't mean you ain't going to eat, but you got to wait sometimes. We got to trust God, trust his timing. You know, I, I was having a conversation with, with a pastor here in Baltimore, and he's struggling in ministry. The ministry's, not, the ministry's struggling because he's struggling. And the reason why he's struggling because he's looking at everybody else's ministry and trying to compare himself to everybody else. 
Say, bruh, you need to get over that. You watch too much preachers of LA. Everybody's not going to be a mega ministry, brother. Get over it. You trying to leave your job, you better stay on that job. Amen. I love y'all, but I'm not quitting my job no time soon. Because if I depend on the saints to take care of me, I'm going to keep working. Amen. I love y'all, but I'm going to keep working. So he, this brother, has about 20, 30 people at his church. And he's been struggling because he's been pastor about 10 years. And he called me up. He says, Doc, I'm, man, it's hard out here. Da, 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 and, and this, that, and the other. And I'm waiting for God to open the door. I just want 100 people. Just God in the best with 100 people. And I said to him, I said, God ain't giving it to you because you ain't ready for it yet. I'm, I'm honest with him. I said, you can't handle the problems of 20. How do you expect God to expect you to handle the, the, the problems of 100? You're not ready. Doesn't mean God ain't going to do it for you, but why don't you learn the lessons where you are so God can move you where you need to be? See, we're always looking for the way out instead of looking for the lesson we got to learn. God, get me out of this situation. Instead of me saying, all right, God, what am I supposed to gain from this thing? Am I supposed to learn from this thing? Before you move me here, God, let me learn everything I need to learn right here. Then promote me or move me or graduate me. But you got to get it right here first. I said, brother, you ain't ready for the next level. You complain about 20 people. You, 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 think, you think 80 more people are going to give you more rest? I said, bro, you need, you need to get over that. I had to tell him, I said, listen, bro, you, you're not ready for it yet. Let God work on you where you are for the next level. See, before David fought Goliath, he fought lions and bears. The lions and bears prepared him for his Goliath. And we have to understand that God is doing that. Here's my last point. I'm going to get you out of here. Somebody say number four. You can't undervalue what you have. You cannot undervalue what you have. See, many will look at their giant, and I don't know what your giant is. But you may look at that giant and say, I don't have the education for that. I haven't been here long enough to receive that. I, 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 I can't overcome this thing. This thing is way too big for me. I'm not qualified. And you know, a lot of times at church, we try to act like we're humble, but we're really just beating ourselves up. Yeah. Oh, God, you know, if it's your will, let me see this and let me see that. He already said you're the head and not the tail. Right. He already said you're above only and not beneath. So why, why are you trying to act all humble? when you, Really, it's your insecurity saying that. Because yeah. you don't believe in yourself. Wow. Right. Mm-hmm, I said it. You don't believe in yourself, and you undervalue what you already have. You ask God to give you more. He said, I already gave you more than enough. And you undervalue it. That's why you don't believe it can work. Let me tell you what David did. David, according to the Bible, Goliath had a sword, a spear, and a javelin. And he had an armor bearer. Walking in front of him with a shield. David out there with his little shepherd clothes on, a sling, and a bag of rocks. He didn't undervalue what he had. Let me paint a picture for you. You already have more than enough. He took a sling, and that sling was connected to wood. That wood represents the cross. Yeah. Then he reached inside his bag and grabbed a rock. Y'all ain't ready, see? It flew right over your head. See, Jesus is the rock. 
You see, he, he, he reached inside and grabbed a rock, and that rock and that stick was enough to conquer any king. So don't tell me you don't have enough. You already got the cross. You already got the rock. That's enough to conquer any giant. He was able to sling that rock. Sling it so hard, hit him in his forehead. It went through his forehead. Now, I know some people got some big heads. Can you imagine some nine, ten foot man I was the size of his head? <laughs> to sling a rock that hard, to penetrate that head, that boy had some power. Hallelujah. <laughs> Lord, help us here. He was able to sling that rock. It penetrated his forehead. He fell face down. And I told you, he wasn't supposed to fall face down, but he had to leap prostrate before God. He fell face down. And, 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 and so, no matter how big your giant is, church, it's coming down. It's coming down because you are going to be equipped to take it down. Understand, everything that's in your life that's trying to block you from your blessing is coming down. Declare and decree it now. It's coming down. Depression is coming down. Amen. Sickness is coming down. Poverty is coming down. Low self-esteem is coming down. Your relationship struggles are coming down. And whatever you need to fill in a blank with, it's, it's coming down. The question is, are you ready? See, David didn't run away. He ran to it. He didn't run away from the life. He ran right up to it. He said, come on, let's get this thing. Matter of fact, he, he, he surveyed it. Then he said, no, no. Y'all tell me, what do I get if I kill him? They said, oh, you get the king's daughter, and you and your whole family got to pay no taxes for the, whole, the rest of your life. He said, all right, check this out. <laughs> I sign up for that. No taxes for me and my family. I'll try to kill him. I'll do something. I'll bite him in his leg or something. But I'm going to try. God knows I'm going to try. So understand, church, it's coming down. It's coming down. But the question is, are you prepared to face your Goliath? See, every other trouble you went through, every struggle you went through was preparing you for that giant. When, when you overcame that thing, yeah, that was getting you ready for this. When you, when, you, when you was able to have victory in that, that was getting you ready for this giant. All those things, you were saying, God, why me? He said, just be quiet. I'll prepare you for the big fight. Because beyond a big fight is your promise. And I, and I, I got to let this thing come down in your sight so you can believe that what I have on the other side of that is for you. If you can receive it, come on, seal it with a praise. Come on. Stand on your feet. Let's seal that thing with a phrase. I'm done. It's coming down. It's coming down. Thank you for listening to the Rhema Talk podcast. To listen to this message or past sermons, download the Mixcloud app in the Google Play or iTunes store. Go to mgwc.net to join and get the latest church announcements. And don't forget to like us on Facebook. Thank you again for listening to the Rhema Talk podcast. Hope you join us next time.